to the Digging Dexter podcast with Victor. Hi guys, Victor Miguel here with the second half of the season five of the Digging Dexter podcast. And to cut right to the core of it, I rag on this second half pretty bad. Uh, I think it's pretty terrible with one really bad episode, one really good episode, and one lazy sloppy finale. Uh, but before we get into it, I want to say we're, we're living in a weird time with coronavirus going on. And if this takes your mind off the current world affairs going on, then I've done my job. Uh, if you're stuck at home and this helps you pass the time, then awesome. Uh, that that makes me pretty happy. Um, if you want to let me know you've enjoyed this, or even if you want to let me know you hated this, you can hit me up on social media. I'm on a digging podcast on both Twitter and Instagram, digging Dexter on Facebook, or you can email me, uh, digging Dexter at gmail.com. And just doing my part here in the world is if people are listening to wash your home, wash your hands, stay home, stay safe. Um, I'm sure you all know that already, and you didn't come here to get coronavirus talk, so just let's all do our part. Um, before I get into the second half, it's it's something I wanted to point out last episode, but I didn't, but a part of season five, Dexter, a big part of it, Michael C. Hall has a wig on this season as he was battling Hodgkin's lymphoma. And I'm assuming due to treatment, he lost his hair. Therefore, you know, we, we see him sporting a wig this season, which you almost kind of can't tell. But if you're, if you, there, there's moments where it looks a little weird. And, and that's obviously because of the wig. And there's certain scenes where he has dark colored lips, which is a little weird. Um, but he went in remission way before this season ever aired, so he he's all good on that front. A uh, friend of the show, Janet, uh, is also the one who had told me that in certain episodes of season four, before the public knew Michael C. Hall was sick, you could see a lump in his neck. Um, so scary stuff for Michael C. Hall, and by all, everything you ever read or see about him, he seems like a pretty well-grounded celebrity. Um so it kind of stinks to hear that he had to go through that, but he has, he's been cured. So, um, uh, good for him on that front. And with that little nugget of information, let's get into this second half of season five. Hope you enjoy guys. Episode seven. Circle us. Reading this one right off IMDb, so bear with me. Having decided to help Lumen find the other men who attacked her, Dexter is at a loss when he is called to the scene of a road accident. There, he finds a pickup truck that has uh, revealed its contents, several formaldehyde-laden barrels containing the bodies of dead women. Of course, the women are Boyd Fowler's victim Dexter had discovered in the swamp sometime before. The truck is also registered to a celebrity, motivational speaker Jordan Chase, who claims that the truck was stolen. Dexter is more interested in Chase's head of security, Cole Harmon, who fits Lumen's description of one of her attackers. Deborah, meanwhile, is still on the Santa Muerta case, and LaGuerta agrees to a sting operation using their new informant, Yasmin Yaragon. It doesn't go as well as planned, resulted in several deaths. So with the beginning of Circle Us, I wanted to take back a look of where we are with the start of the second half of the season. Uh, if I could take everyone back to that season four finale and, and how anxious we were to find out what happens, let's sort of recap. You know, Dexter is obviously still sort of grieving over Rita. The FBI hunt for Trinity slash Kyle Butler is pretty much non-existent, uh, except with this new Stan Liddy fault coming in. Deb is now dating Quinn, and Lumen is here. 
this episode, I always felt like the writers were saying, uh, and the reason why I'm saying this is because this is the episode where the truck full of barrels crashed onto the street. I always felt like the writers were like, yeah, yeah, the Trinity stuff, that nationwide manhunt was pretty crazy, but l- look at this over here. You know, we've we got some barrel girls over here. Um, I doubt anyone could have predicted where season five would be at this point. Uh, but now these final six episodes really kicks into gear, uh, especially this episode. Um, you know, we have Deb killing someone for the first time and, and the explosion of the barrel girls, you know, really comes into focus. It's been over a month since I freed Lumen from Boyd's, but she's still reliving it every day. It's nice to have a timeline of where we finally are in the Dexter universe. Uh, Our friend Zach at Dex underscore Slice of Life on Twitter and was a guest on on previous episodes had sent me a timeline of the entire Dexter universe. Um, So I wanted to just sort of recap where we are. Uh, So he has December 6th as the date of death for Rita. That's when the season four finale ends. And Dexter here mentions it's been a month. Uh, He found Lumen, according to Zach here, at the end of episode two, uh, February 12th, which has been, what, two months since Rita's death. Uh, So let's see how much he is correct here. So let's say February 12th is the end of Practically Perfect. Circle us March 23rd. So sure, uh, you know, it's nice to know that he's pretty much spot on. Uh, It's great work by Zach (laughs) nailing down these dates. Um, I would love to know how he gets because he has this episode taking place from March 23rd to March 26th. How the fuck he's able to uh, uh, wrangle that all together it, it is amazing. But uh, for purposes of the of the podcast, so this season I'm gonna leave the first episode out of it. Is the first uh, the second episode? Hello, Bandit starts February sixth, and the end of the season is April nineteenth. Uh, I'll have to start paying attention as I watch to understand how he was able to nail those exact dates. I would be tied to a chair, blindfolded. Sometimes I didn't even know if he was there until I'd hear this watch by my ear. And then he'd lean in and whisper, tick, tick, tick. That's the sound of your life running out. This is the first time we're hearing of this, and you know we'll eventually come to find out how important that tick 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 comes, and and where Jordan Chase really comes into all of this. A really big episode when you think of the introduction of Jordan Chase and everything that happens with that and Deb. Um, and I guess let me loosely insert my idea here of a season five rewrite, if I could. Um, and again, I'm recording this all crazy out of place, so I may be repeating myself here and there, but I sort of had an idea, because this season five, and, and I'm sure I've mentioned it, that it was impossible to live up to the hype, so you had there was no way they were going to live up to it, so I, I thought maybe, and, and we'll get into an episode later, where I th- swore Jordan Chase was connected to Rita's death. Um, we come to find out that's not true at all, but I sort of had the idea of what if, and again, my complaint of Dexter is every season feels so uh, dis- disconnected to the rest. It, it really feels like eight different stories as opposed to, because it is one 
concurrent timeline. I'm almost positive Jordan Chase is never mentioned again in this series. Uh, maybe once Lumens uh, mentioned in season seven. But my rewrite for this is: What if during season four, Trinity was these tapes were on in the background, and you know while Dexter was investigating him, he just sort of mentioned like, "Huh." You know, Trinity listens to the self-help books. Maybe that's what helps him become a better serial killer. And then in this season, he finally realizes, holy shit, Trinity was listening to the Jordan Chase books. Uh, would it necessarily, you know, and, and it would have the end of the season have that much more impact. Again, you know, it, it didn't have to be, it doesn't have to be that connected, but it would have been a nice callback and been like, oh shit, you know, this Jordan Chase is... Not only did he do all this terrible shit to these barrel girls, but he also almost helped the serial killer who ended up killing Dexter's wife. Um, again, it's not a really thought out idea or theory, but I just think it would have been something cool, you know, to have been laying in the background of sorts. Dexter? Thank you. I feel like I'm dropping off my prom date. Except this is my house and my wife is dead and I have no idea where Lumen fits into my world and this is all so weird. It's a good indicator of where Dexter is at uh, dealing with this all in relation to his wife's death and you know we'll sort of see at the end how he really uses this to help grieve for his wife's death. And I cut the audio clip short but he says something like you know he just says goodbye and I think they maybe handshake or something and he goes exactly like my prom date. And as I'm recording this, I'm sort of thinking, huh, is that the prom date that they mention in season one when Harry's trying to help Dexter uh, be normal? This isn't the best for an audio source, but in this episode, we have an ominous guy in a pickup truck uh, picking up the rest of the barrels that we saw at the end of the episode, uh, season uh, episode three, I believe. And, you know, off the heels of Dan, the dentist calling someone to tell him there's still someone out there hunting for the rest of them. He doesn't need St. Bridget. He has Father Dexter. So I'm going to read this part off of IMDb because I actually found it interesting and sort of explains where this sound clip comes from. Uh, Harrison's nanny, Sonia, tells Dexter that the statue of the saint she has put next to Harrison's cot is St. Bridget, when actually the statue is that of Mary, Jesus' mother. Being a practicing Catholic from Ireland, the nanny would have not made such a mistake. Uh, I guess an oversight there by the writers, if that is so in fact true. Um, and the idea that Dexter rejects this St. Bridget uh, statue at first, uh, I'm not sure what this show is trying to say. Uh, like, Dexter and Harrison doesn't need religion or or, or what? Um, I don't know. Just, just seemed like something weird that Dexter would reject for no a- actual reason. Um, and you can't tell me... That much like my season five rewrite where uh, Jordan Chase was sort of introduced in season four, that you couldn't have you couldn't play on something here for what will eventually be season six, uh, you know, with the with the uh, doomsday killers and all that. But how about it? You know, I mean, we don't have to live here. We can get a new place together. Listen, I heard about this two bedroom place on Brickell. Upper unit, right on the water. Thought we could take a look. This is not a workplace conversation, so please just shut up. 
All I'm saying is this place is going fast. Just, just not so using Zach's timeline here, and let me go click over to it. Uh, if the last episode is when Deb sort of finally admits to Quinn that yeah you know, she really does like him and whatnot, that's March 22nd. Um, and this episode takes place March 23rd to March 26th. Let's say they first had sex um, December 9th and they've been fighting or whatever. So it's been three months since they've been involved and, and Deb's sort of been pushing him away up until last episode. Awfully quick for Quint to say they're moving in together uh, or, or want to move in together. Just crazy fast. And, you know, everyone goes at their own pace. And just because uh, I do think one thing's uh, one way doesn't mean someone else would do another. But I just found that awfully crazy fast that Quinn, who is apparently this guy who can get any girl and seems to really like Deb, uh, wants to move in. Something else that is, I don't know if it's bad show writing or bad scout location, whatever, but Quinn says Brickell, and it's Brickle. Um, that's just a, a, I don't even know what the what the equivalent would be. Um, you know, someone someone calling Los Angeles, Los Angeles, you know, he'd be like, huh, what the hell was that? So in this episode, we see that Cole was the one picking up the girls in the barrels, and he's the one who get in, gets into the accident. Um, and we get this crazy scene of you know, all the barrel girls just displayed out in the street and whatnot, and, and it's really gruesome. Um, this is a huge misstep by Jordan Chase's crew, right? I mean, if if you could make a chart of what's the worst possible things that could happen from moving these girls... Um, this is the worst possible scenario. You get into an accident and everything's crossed out in the street, uh, laid out in the street, you know. Um, another thing I wanted to add here that this scene of the accident, if you see, because they do a big overhead shot of, of the girls and everything, uh, this is the same street that Lila and Dexter steal stuff in season two. And it's actually just a bit down the road uh, where Vogel's house uh, from season eight is thought it was interesting um and also another uh, little show goof here the van that's there it's the miami metro county coroner in miami dade county and maybe this is for florida but i could at least speak to to broward and dade county um it's the medical examiner not the coroner not the coroner and uh it may not seem like a big goof but it is something um Let's see, uh, let's call it a fact check, if you will. What about him? No, I... I mean, that guy's clearly a freak, but I don't know him. No, not the bald guy, the guy beside him. Jordan Chase. This is just great uh, Masuga humor uh, from Lumen. And to sort of recap how we got here, Jordan Chase walks into Miami Metro. uh, And him walking into the station is a shock. And it almost kind of exonerates him. You think, yeah, there's no way he could have something to do with these barrel girls if, you know, he 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 walks right into the station. He has nothing to hide, right? Um, you know, and I don't want to ding the show too much, but if Masuka knows who Jordan Chase is and they make him out to be a big deal, wouldn't Lumen? But I get it. Not everyone knows all the celebrities whatnot, right? Uh, I remember thinking back watching this live in 2010 that Dexter is the show is pretty black and white there's good people and there's bad people and him walking into the station means he's innocent and thinking this was just something Cole because we saw Cole loading up the barrels previously um 
that he was acting on this alone. Um, I recently watched Hackers for the first time, and Johnny Lee Miller is in that. Uh, and I thought it was a good job casting Johnny Lee Miller for this role. Um, he's cartoonish as a villain, but he, he's, he's pretty, pretty good in that role. What about the other guys? In order to save his own skin, he'll probably turn them in. It's only a matter of time before they're all in the hands of the police. When this is Florida, we execute here. These men will be brought to justice. You can walk away from all of this now and put it behind you. You can go on with your life. It's not what I want. I promise you the police will take care of it. No, I don't want the police to take care of it. I, I want to take care of it. I know how she feels. It's not so different from me. This is where we sort, uh, think of the idea that Lumen and Dex could be an ongoing thing. And, you know, they could both be a thing killing, but... You know, let's not the the as Tony Soprano would say, the five hundred pound elephant in the room. They're both good looking. Uh, Dexter has a thing for blondes, and by by episodes end, we'll sort of realize that she has this dark passenger in her as well. Um, I, I think it's a real shame we never get to see Lumen again. Um, she was controversial because I, I guess how the season ends, where Lumen just disappears like thanks Dex for helping me kill all these people I'm out um I personally would have been someone who liked to see Lumen you know somewhere in in this the Dexter realm sphere uh hopping around but we'll, we'll get there by season's end um Dexter gives Miami Metro Boyd Fowler uh to get them off the scent of coal being that we're, we're a few months removed from the idea of Dex giving Miami Metro Stan Beaudry to get them off the scent of Trinity, I don't know. Again, we could chalk this up to the idea of that this is where Dexter gets sloppy, but it just seems like he's doing the same thing again and could possibly lead to the same result. You know, if he had a dealt with Trinity in the right, quicker way, he, you know, Rita may still be alive. And trying to get them off the scent again, it's just, I don't know. I, I wish he would at least acknowledge that he's doing this again, I guess is what I'd say. Finally did something right. Steering the cops toward Boyd. Very smart. It wasn't me. So I remember watching live my theory that Jordan Chase wasn't involved. No, uh, it was clearly squashed, but uh, I wish they would have liked the idea of playing with this more of, you know, no, Jordan Chase is this big motiv- motivational speaker. Like, he clearly couldn't be doing these things but we quickly also learned that jordan is involved uh with these barrel girl killings now looky here stud if you're backing off this thing because you're porking that guy's sister i'd say you get your priorities as a cop all wrong the show is never really clear on what exactly liddy got busted for but as someone who got arrested and and is waiting for our hearing i believe um Kind of weird dialogue coming from Stan, right? <laughs> Telling Quinn his priorities are all wrong. This is also the episode that ends the Fuentes brothers uh, saga, <laughs> if you will. Um, Deb shoots the remaining Fuentes brother. And, you know, thank God Deb learned her lesson from before when she had uh, um, the other Fuentes brother in her sight and failed to pull the trigger. Um Deb has a good shot, hits her right in the head, and we're going to see that this leads to a bigger storyline of how 
Deb and Dex may be the same, you know, and, and I'll talk about that in, in, a, in a later episode. Holy shit! I can't believe that just happened! What made you come inside? I thought I saw a shadow. And that made you come crashing through a window? I know, I know, I just had a feeling. It was some sort of lizard brain thing. She's starting to sound like me. So on the heels of Lumen being able to pinpoint Cole as definitely one of her capturers, not necessarily Jordan, they go break into Cole Harmon's place to gather some evidence, I, I believe. Uh, and, you know, Cole comes home and we have this breakout of sorts and Dex manages to steal this photo, which will become really important in two episodes. Um, but, you know, here we have, <laughs> you know, Lumen says in the lizard brain and Dexter is like, wow, that's that's just like me. And there, there's a lot of stuff Lumen is saying in this episode that really connects with Dexter. He could really feel for and with Lumen. Um, and, you know, there's also the scene that Lumen hugging Dexter, you know, thank you so much. And Dexter says we and Lumen calls him out on it and he just doesn't know how to react. Um you know, it's funny, this is kind of also the first time Dexter never gets direct praise for what he does. He never, he helps someone, but they may not know it was him. Uh, this is the first time he's helping someone and someone's directly telling him thank you. Uh, you know, the first time we see him get praise, and I, I thought it's just kind of cool just to see him kind of have no idea how to handle that. Partners come to us in various ways, bound together for many different reasons. But for any partnership to work, you must not only accept this person into your life, but accept her for who she is. St. Bridget, circle us with your light so that no darkness shall overcome our world. Sometimes partners find us, and as much as we try to push them away, they work their way into our lives regardless until we finally realize how much we need them. So a few years ago, I want to say, well, probably like six years ago, uh, I liked having, I like clipping some of Dexter's quotes on the show and saving them just for audio, um, almost kind of like what I'm doing for this podcast. But I have a, I'm looking at here, I have 27 tracks of just, because sometimes Dexter has a really, we never really relate to Dexter because he's a serial killer and quote unquote, no emotions, but there are sometimes he, he you know, he, he has some good quotes and you just kind of like want to, I don't want to say live by them, but they're nice to hear. And this was one I actually had clipped from a long time ago. It's from the beginning of the episode and the end of the episode. And, you know, this idea that like Lumen broke into his life. So it's like you kind of have to deal with them. And Dexter lost a partner, you know. Um, it's a great tie in with the end of the episode. Um you could say so much about Dexter saving Lumen, but you have to be happy if you're Dexter, obviously not knowing, but letting Lumen be such a distraction, you know, it really sort of helps him. Uh, and I feel like, you know, that happens in life. You know, you, you keep yourself occupied during a dark time. You get your mind off whatever's happening and you can process everything better. So I, I, I liked 
I like that tie-in with this episode and how, yeah, maybe he pushed Lumen away all this time, but actually it's going to help him. Episode 8. Dexter participates in Jordan Chase's seminar and is invited to visit him in his suite. LaGuardia does not assume her mistake and Deborah becomes her scapegoat. Lumen receives an unexpected phone call from her ex-fiance, Owen. Liddy forces a car crash at the parking area of a supermarket to get Lumen's personal data. Dexter is forced to go on stage to reveal what happened when he saw Rita's death. Meanwhile, Cole sees Lumen and she flees to her room. However, Dexter saves Lumen and their room becomes Cole's kill room. While leaving the hotel, Dexter meets Jordan and makes an important discovery. Later, Liddy takes photos of Dexter and Lumen in the boat, dumping Cole's remains in the water. We've lost touch with our instincts, with what we are. We have fallen from nature's grace. But we shall be delivered! I want to say this is the first time we see an opening that's not directly set in the world. Like, it's just... It's something completely, I don't know what's the word, off camera. Um, and there's some tones of the Dexter books of like the lizard brain. And one of the books, I think it's the second book, opens up. And it's this whole dialogue on just like a lizard and, and stuff. Um, I feel like they were taking some of the notions from that. Jordan promises change, but he also accepts credit cards. Sometimes this show has really bad voiceover, such as that clip. But to sort of set up where we are at in the episode, we kind of see that Dexter is at Jordan, one of Jordan Jace's seminars. And, you know, it, it's funny, funny humor where Dexter realizes, like, there's probably people out there way weirder than he is. Um, but you kind of see how Jordan Chase is such a big uh, persona. Harboring so many secrets. I have to be honest, he fascinated me on a deep level. What else do Jordan and I have in common? I like the idea of serial killers like Dexter and Jordan Chase sort of admiring other serial killers that the show brings. You know, Dexter saw a huge fascination with Trinity in season four. And, you know, we could tell obviously here Jordan Chase was really enamored with Trinity. But just the idea like serial killers like other serial killers. By the way, have you made any progress on Boyd Fowler? I'm not really aware of all the details. You should probably speak to one of the detectives. Of course. Little something in there for Harrison. So some of this voice clips is from when Jordan Chase invites Dexter into his hotel room. Um, I guess first point, it's pretty creepy. Jordan knows Harrison, but I guess if the case was as public as the show makes it, probably everyone knows all of Dexter's family. And something I, and I'll get to this in a later episode, but you know how much does Jordan Chase suspect Dexter's involvement? You know. Jordan knows one of the Barrel Girls escaped, but as of this point where we're at, he doesn't know that Dexter is involved. He just thinks Dexter is just a, you know, a man who lost his wife and is just coming to his seminars for self-help. Lou? Owen. How are you? Um, you're in Miami? I came to see you. Please, will you see me? thinking I'm not going back. What? You were right. We were trapped in our jobs, trapped in that city, and would have been trapped in a life we didn't want. It's time for that to change. I bought these round-the-world tickets. Broke the bank. We can literally hop on and hop off in any city. I love you. No matter what you do, whoever you are, I want to take this journey with you. 
So in this episode, we kind of get Dexter and Lumen both revealing their backstory. You know, we'll talk about a little bit where Lumen kind of figures out that this isn't Dexter's like first time doing this. Um, And, you know, in terms of Lumen's backstory, Owen, I guess he's symbolized as like Lumen's chance to go back to the past. But these barrel girls are just sort of too strong for her, quote unquote, dark dark passenger, so to say. Um, Another point I want to bring up here and at the risk of sounding sort of anti-feminist, it's obviously terrible what happened to Lumen. And just because I say it's also terrible what's happening to Owen does not diminish what happened to Lumen. You know, it's it's downright disgusting. And in a few episodes, we're going to hear and, and sort of see what happened. Um, it's hard to even comprehend how could this happen to Lumen. So uh, enough prefacing. And it's just way worse what happens to Lumen. But poor Owen, man. Like, how much love does this man have? He's willing to uproot his life for his love, Lumen. Um, he's trying so hard to sort of get in Lumen's headspace. And, you know, how could he? with what's going on with her but just imagine having your significant other just sort of ripped out of your life and yeah you just sort of you know resort to desperate measures like owen is here just going to miami and buying a cruise ship for tickets around the world you know so tomorrow night's the night if there was a spinoff of the show this would be the tagline a few months ago i was shopping for a wedding dress And now I'm shopping for 30 yards of polyethylene sheeting. It's crazy, isn't it? How quickly you can get used to the supremely weird. Tell me about it. You ever take a moment to think how absolutely crazy Dexter's life has been? You know, we pick up in season one where he's, I think, 35. So now it's been five years. So he's 39, 40. And in the past few years, he's realized he had a serial killer brother He's been hunted by the FBI, killed Miami's DA, targeted and killed a 30-year serial killer with an FBI manhunt, had his wife killed, and had a child, and is now planning to take down a popular motivational speaker and all his little crew. You know, it's like in disasters movies, like, let's say, King Kong or Godzilla. You know, the characters never stop and say, like, hold, this is fucking crazy what's happening. Like, Dexter's life's been insane. You just hit my car. I was distracted. Just let me give you some cash. No cash. I don't want cash. We'll do this on the up and up because that's the kind of guy I am. So to get some information on Liddy, he crashes into, well, rather stages a car accident with pretty nice looking Corvette. Uh, it's funny where he says, you know, he does does this on the up and up because that's the kind of guy I am when he's literally the complete opposite. <laughs> um, pretty ironic. Um it's a pretty expensive way to go about getting information from Lumen. Um, and this is going to sort of start of the end with his relationship with Quinn. We're going to prepare the room together. Slowly, the show is moving towards Dexter and Lumen being a couple. And I just love, well, I'm sorry, not a couple, a team of, of serial killers, so to say. And I just love the idea of both of them setting up the room together. You know, it's sort of flashes of what Dexter and Miguel could have been and to a lesser extent, Lila. Um, But just to see Dexter setting up a kill room with someone else is sort of weird, even though we've seen it with Miguel. But this is a little bit more um, both sides are telling the truth as opposed to one side is sort of just using Dexter. What do you get out of all this? I like knowing that the man who did this to you won't do it to anyone else. 
wasn't about me. Look at all this. If you didn't know me, you'd still be in this room. Boyd wasn't your first. I love that they make Lumen, I wouldn't say smart, but intuitive. You know, she knows what Dexter really is or is sort of sensing it. And he's not just a helpful soul. He's doing this for him as much as he's doing it for Lumen. Um, I don't want to play the audio of what sounds like a rape, but it's just Cole having rough sex with a woman. But it's a really nice touching scene where Lumen is in the other room, disturbed by the sounds. And of course, and, and Dexter nicely, softly puts his hands around her ears and you know, uh, a little bit of theme of this episode is Lumen hasn't been getting any sleep. And this is the first time she actually gets some sleep. I mean, it'd be a shame if the skirt you're boning finds out about all this. And how would that happen? I don't know. Things go wrong every day. Fucking motherfucker. <laughs> you two starting to sound more alike every day. Must be love. Lydia is such a great character, and, uh, you know, in the episode where he gets killed, I'm going to go go into depth about it, but I, I wish they just didn't waste him this season. He would have been a perfect, you know, a season seven foil with LaGuardia coming on to Dexter, or, or even as the, the series ends in season eight, if you remember the, the character Jacob Elway, um, he would have been a perfect, you know, match for that season, and it would have been a little bit more realistic, um, or at least not realistic, we would have thought something more was going to come of it than what does come of Liddy. I want you to tell me something, Dexter. I want you to be very honest. What did you feel in that moment? We want to know. It's difficult to put into words. Everything fell apart. I felt... Shattered. Yes. When the primal... You said I'd done this before. That's true. This is who I am. When I was a child, my mother was murdered in front of me. And it shattered me. So I put those two clips together, and it's a common theme within the show, and especially this season, and me using the audio format like I am, I get to really put to the, the two side by side. Um, it's just funny to hear Dexter using shattered, you know, because that's kind of just the quickest thing he, he just uh, realized. Um Lumen watches in, in the second part of that clip. Lumen watches Dexter do his ritual, and it's for uh, it's fascinating television, you know. And Dexter really opening up to someone, telling the truth, and, and within this episode, sort of reveals everything he possibly can to Lumen. And you know, backtrack on the other side of that, Lumen doing the same with Owen. Um, at least we get her backstory. It's just to um, blanking out on the word here, but. Uh, reflections of each other act on what you've learned don't let it slip away it's what i tell my clients tick 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 that's the sound of your life running out my primal instincts were right jordan's one of them i'm pretty sure a few episodes ago we knew jordan chase was involved but sometimes we're watching this through the prism of dexter's eyes and if the audience wasn't 100 percent sure now we know the audience us as the audience and Dexter knows that Jordan Chase is complicit in this and it sort of sets up, you know, the final four episodes of the chase for Jordan Chase, if you will. Man, that's a bad joke. Whatever, it's all the fucking same. Yes, is just starting out. Her career will take the smallest hit. She'll recover quickly. If something like that had happened to me back then, I never would have made detective. We were all there together. So why can't we just hold tight and weather the fucking storm together? The lieutenant said I should bring some of my stuff into this department. 
LaGuardia asked you to back her story, and of course you did. You're the youngest woman in Miami Metro to ever make detective, and I really admire you, like, a lot. And I came here hoping to learn from you. What you did, you'd never learn from me. I've ignored a majority of the Miami Metro politics, uh, but what we see here is Menzone is the one to let Deb take the fall from the Fuentes brother shooting at the nightclub. But her storyline sort of ends there, you know, and, and it's a common theme of the show that these interesting side characters that, you know, as we're watching the show, currently we have the hindsight of, you know, knowing how all the eight seasons pass, but... Anytime a new character got introduced to the show, it was kind of like, all right, what's this person's relation to Dexter? And I'm not even sure they share a scene together. But, you know, it, it's a common theme from the show that these interesting side characters kind of don't amount to much. You know, off the top of my head, uh, Lewis from season six and seven uh, amounts pretty much to nothing. Uh, Liddy this season, you know, they just have no lasting impact. And, you know, they sort of serve their role and move on instead of changing the dynamic of the show. Although, you know, sort of here, I guess you can argue Manzone's deal sort of leads to Deb finding out about the Barrel Girls, but, you know, there could have been other ways to do this without sort of, quote-unquote, wasting a character. What's the problem? Don't tell me you feel bad about killing I don't. That's the problem like a big fat fucking waste of time too I mean I'd kill that fucktard all over again I'd empty a fucking magazine in him okay <laughs> maybe that's something worth talking about I always thought if I landed a bullet that it would bother me it would be a burden to take another life I don't feel bad me of all people I don't feel anything so I mentioned this in an earlier mini review of one of the episodes that now that Deb is in therapy and if you had to force feed this Deb loves Dexter storyline, you know, what a perfect way to bring it in. You know, this is and again, sort of it's going to happen in the, in the beginning of season six. And that's how Deb gets into therapy again. But it, it's just a perfect way to tie everything together with Deb finding out who Dexter is. Um, and it's, it's just a perfect tie in how much they are alike in that, you know, killing someone, they don't feel anything. They had all this perfect material to foil out what will eventually happen, and it just sort of squandered this season. But, again, that's not the story they wanted to tell this season. They wanted sort of a, a redemption story for Dexter. We're going to take down Jordan Chase. First things first. Just let go. This is a crazy way to end the episode with, you know, them dumping Cole Harmon's body into the ocean. And, we, you know, we see Liddy taking pictures of them. It's just a real gas moment of, of like, what's to come. Uh, but the reason why I wanted to include this is because Lumen says the words, just let go. And I'll get into this in season six. But one of the episode of season six is titled just let go and around that time before the episode was aired was that there was a lot of there was a big rumor that a huge character is going to come back so being so close to it 2010 2011 at the time everyone thought it was lumen or rather that was what the you know the uh the internet blogs sort of say um but we come to find out it's actually brian comes back but you know just let go that was a perfect you know that's the name of the episode and that's what lumen says here uh, of what to do of everything and the symbolism behind just let go where 
you know, you have the Owen tie-in of her, you know, her ex-fiance coming back. Uh, n- nice way to end the episode. Episode nine. Dexter finds a vial of blood while working out with Jordan Chase, and they do some evidence digging to find out whose blood that belongs to. And Aster and her friend Olivia come back from Orlando to Miami to much of Dexter's dismay. Jordan is one tough nut to crack. You're one tough nut to crack. You know that, Dexter? I wish he'd stop doing that. You have to give me something to work with. Otherwise, how can I help you? Maybe you can't. Or maybe you can. Is that blood? So I'm going to talk a little bit here without uh, sound from the show. In, in About this episode, in hindsight, this episode always felt like a bottle episode. And if you know what that is, that's sort of when, uh, if you're a Breaking Bad watcher, uh, that episode 10 of season 3, I believe, it's called Bug. And it's just a whole episode stuck in one place. Uh, and it's sort of when they realize they run out of production or they run out of money, they sort of short cast an episode. And, you know, to, to the Dexter point here... It's not in the traditional sense of a bottle episode, but almost like they had of ele- they had eleven episodes of material, and then realized they don't have much. So let's sort of bring uh, Aster back, you know, uh, j- sort of a filler because everything gets handled in sort of one thing. And they do nice things, and, and I'll talk about it where Dexter, um, you know, uh, realizes his worth as a father. Uh, but this also brings me to a point that. In a world of Netflix and HBO, I feel like if Dexter was on now, there would be 10 episode seasons. Uh, I I think I could safely cancel or or condense two episodes of this season alone. On to the idea of the blood being in Jordan Chase's vial. Um, I had a huge theory about this back in 2010 because at the end of the episode, in the beginning of next episode, maybe it's this episode we come to find out that blood belongs to an Emily Birch. Uh, Oh, I'm corrected now. The show had shown a clip of what's coming on next week, and we saw this blood. So leading into that week, I had this huge theory that that blood, and I think I've mentioned this in a few episodes before, that could have been Rita's blood because they were targeting blondes. So at the time, you don't know how this whole thing is going to fall out, but they were targeting blondes. So come up with this whole idea that maybe Jordan Chase had something to do with Rita's death, you know, that there was something larger uh, taking place. I wish they would have done that because, again, uh, interconnectedness of, of all the seasons. You get to put yourself back together again any way you want. Okay. Don't be skeptical. I know it for a fact. How? What happened to you? He didn't come here to talk about me. Something big must have happened if it inspired your entire philosophy. Two things here. One... Always the idea that Dexter always reflects it back on people. Think back to season one when Dexter was stalking the therapist, uh, Dr. Chase Meridian. You know, the first thing he says is like, we didn't come here to talk about me. Dexter is always quick to project back. Uh, And the other thing is big foreshadowing. You know, Dexter sort of, hey, something big must have happened to to, for all this to happen. And we're going to find out what that big thing is from Jordan Chase. Oh, my God. What? What is it? There's someone at the kitchen door. They're trying to get in. Go out. They're coming. Put the phone down. Leave the line open. Jesus! Who the fuck are you? Who the fuck are you? Who the fuck is she? You want to try that again, Esther? Amazing tension build up. 
you know, because we completely forgot about Aster, and why would we think Aster is coming back from Orlando? You know, we all think it's Jordan Chase, but it, it's really is some great tension where, you know, you just think they're, they're coming in. Like I might take away something valuable this time. Hmm. Good. What I really want, just a drop. A 30-gauge needle should slide right in undetected. So here we see Dexter extract some blood from the vial to try and find out what happens. And afterwards, Jordan Chase, this is how we 100% can now connect. Jordan Chase knows Dexter is on his radar because he, you know, why why else would that vial be bleeding? Uh, but <laughs> another thing I wanted to include is, according to the Blu-ray timestamp, you know, from when he starts the shower to when the ends is 40 seconds. Yeah, tough morning. Pastor showed up on my doorstep last night, drunk, with a friend. How old's a friend? Being that Aster is 12 years old, this is incredibly pedophiliac. Morgan. Dexter, the girls are gone. Gone where? I don't know, but they're missing. They felt terrible, and we didn't have any Advil in the house, so I took Harrison to the store. I shouldn't have stolen that blood sample, not with the girls here. So now once we know that was Aster and her friend Olivia that came into the house, uh, as obviously as Lumen set up there, the whole idea of they you know, wanted to run to the store and whatnot, Dexter says he shouldn't have taken the blood. And it's like, really? You don't say. And next episode will sort of start out like not taking any chances. That's it. Who is he? Barry Kurt. No priors. They found him at a gas station on Coral. <laughs> Whenever we see Dexter freak out in public, like not in the kill room, it's really scary. And it's how it's a testament to how great Michael C. Hall is as an actor. He's always so calm, cool and like reserve. And then, you know, we usually see it in the kill room where he kind of freaks out or he'll, he'll yell something. But seeing him like in public like this and it's showing his, you know, uh, almost like mama bear attitude where he'll protect his children at any cost. Uh, it's really m- more more so to say just great acting by Michael C. Hall. You going to introduce us? That's what I was telling you about. His new girlfriend. She's my tenant. Lumen, this is my sister Deborah. Deb, Lumen. I didn't know he had a tenant. Didn't know he had a sister. Pretty sure this moment doesn't get brought up again until season seven when Deb sort of interrogates Dexter about his past. Uh, and it's just so awkward. <laughs> you know, it's almost like when you're single and you, you, you start dating someone and you bring out your girl or your boyfriend or whatever the case is around to your friends. Like, I, I couldn't imagine having a female in my house where my wife died a few months prior. Um, and it's, uh, you know, somewhat of a decent story Dexter gives up, but it's like, that's wholly uncomfortable. Who did that to you? The bruises on your stomach. You don't know what you're talking about. Actually, I really do. I think we have a problem. Olivia has bruises all over her stomach and back. Someone's been hurting her. She told you? No, I saw. Wait, you knew about this? So I'm not really knocking the episode for being a bottle episode. You know, you have your 12-episode format and you got to fill it uh, somehow. And I have to commend the show here for good writing. You know, Lumen, you're going to insert this storyline. Let's, let's make it worthwhile. And it's good writing having Lumen the one 
to see the bruises on Olivia. Back off, Lenny. I mean it. I told you don't fuck with me. You know, I just think I may call up that sister. Give her a ring, see if she wants to get together, have a drink, maybe talk about the brother. What do you say? Stay the fuck away from me. And stay the fuck away from Deb. It's a perfect turn of events to evolve the Quinn and Liddy storyline that now they are at odds with each other. Now Liddy has to go at this by himself and who knows what that that route will go. My advice, get Aster out of here. Tomorrow morning you're collecting evidence on a violent murderer you plan to kill. You really want a hungover preteen in the middle of that? If the show is more grounded here, you would absolutely take Aster out of there. Like this would almost be something where it's a 10-minute storyline. Like, yep, you're here, and now you're gone. We are investigating. We are dealing with someone who attracts a young woman. Out of here, Aster. Why am I only hearing about this now? Because by the time the final coroner report came through, we'd already closed the case. The only reason I came across this is because I was filing it all away. Look, you're not going to reopen the case? Are you serious? Come right in, detective. There are at least five dead girls in barrels. And now there's DNA evidence saying that some of the people that are responsible are still out there. And you think that's about me trying to get back at you? This politics tough man, it's, it's, you know, I wonder how close this is to real life. And I assume there is some truth in there where, like, it's politics is the reason why. But, you know, uh, speaking on the show's behalf, this is why Miami Metro is so terrible as a police force. How could something like this evidence just go by the wayside? You know, and, and... To a degree, I get politics. It's all about people protecting their job and whatnot. But, you know, making a murder case personable, you know, and something to this magnitude, and you're going to see how much it grows. It's like, damn, fuck politics. You don't even know what that means. It means I'd never do anything to hurt you. Ever. I trusted you. And while you were fucking me, you were spreading shit about my brother behind my back. You think that's not hurting me? Fuck you. Like, honestly, where did Quinn think this was going to head once once he reveals to Deb, like, what's going on? Uh, there's a quick scene where LaGuardia tells Deb, like, why don't you ask Quinn about the truth? And Quinn reveals that he was looking into Dexter for some stuff. But it's like, <laughs> did Quinn think that he was going to let her know in the truth that she suspect he suspected Deb's brother and they were just going to go on about their way? Sometimes you just got to show him who's boss. Is that what you do with Olivia? Show her who's boss? I don't know what you're talking about. No? Let me show you. I'm proud of you. You are? You protected Aster. Put yourself out there for another person. I had no idea you had that in you. Proud of you? So a few things to cover here. Uh, I wasn't crazy about this storyline, but I guess what they were trying to show is, you know, how much uh, Dexter evolved as a father and all. And you're not saying it was bad. It's just like I already kind of knew that Dexter would do anything to protect his kids, you know, despite him doing the dumb thing of getting uh, the, the blood from Jordan Chase's vial. But, you know, just sort of to show... We kind of knew Dexter would do this already. So in, in that case, you know, uh, it didn't seem like a relevant storyline. But I, I do like what the show shows in terms of, <laughs> you know, once again, we have Dexter repeating something that he heard from someone else. And uh, 
say what you will, what exactly Harry is, but just sort of reconveying what he's heard. Mama? I have no idea why he said that. I barely know him. Stop lying, okay? I'm not stupid. Those two clips are side by side, but mama. it's just so cringy, you know, where, where Aster mama? thinks Harrison is calling Lumen mama, mama as if she was Rita, but, you know, at the end of the episode, we come to find out it's just a toy. Um, just so cringy. It 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 physically hurts watching it. Dexter? No, it's Jordan Chase. Tell Dexter one more thing. Okay. Tell him time is of the essence. Tick, tick, tick. That's and that's how you end an episode that was otherwise rather lackluster. You Could know, you, you got sure this bottle episode, that? you have this episode that really doesn't further the plot in terms of the big story, and at the end you just throw in this bombshell. You know, um, it's it's a nice way to set up, you know, the final three episodes. Um, you know, and there's so much up in the air, and, and the payoff doesn't the payoff doesn't become as satisfying as it should be, but I, I really do appreciate the setup that they have. Episode 10, In the Beginning. Dexter sends Sonia and Harrison to Orlando to protect his son from Jordan. Liddy chases Dexter and Lumen. Dexter discovers that the blood in Jordan's vial belongs to a woman named Emily Birch. Cole becomes prime suspect again, but he is missing. The police investigations finds 13 DVDs in Cole's house showing the torture of the girls. Meanwhile, Lumen and Dexter visit Emily Birch, but she refuses to talk with them. Soon, Lumen returns to her house and learns that Emily was the first victim of Jordan Chase and his friends. Further, the real name of Jordan is Eugene Greer, and the fifth teenager in the photo is Alex Tilden. Later, Emily receives an unexpected friend. So before the episode begins on the Blu-ray, the screen cap for this episode is Lumen in front of, and you only know this if you've seen the episode, she's in front of the DVDs playing that's the guys raping these women and this is probably the toughest episode to watch it's really just jarring just hearing and seeing it they said that history repeats itself but i will never put my family in danger again now that jordan chase knows lumen and i are on to him i need to plan for the worst finally the show has gotten smart enough or at least dexter has gotten smart enough to take this as a viable threat and move his family out and it kind of clears the way for the show itself too you know because last episode you have Aster coming back and now it's just Dexter and Lumen can deal with Jordan Chase without having to worry about any children so to say getting in the way what the fuck are you up to now repeating myself here but it's cool to see like as the child or the threat of having child around drops they also remind you that Liddy's also lurking in the background and he's ready to pop up at any time Okay, by now you're all aware that new evidence has been found in the Barrow Girls case, which this department is again pursuing as a top priority. Now Miami Metro is on the case, and we're sort of getting the same beats as season four, and it's kind of why maybe this season is is looked down upon. You know, Dexter knows what's going on first, then Miami Metro tells behind, and then Dexter has to deal with the, the villain while also dealing with Miami Metro on his back. Sort of feels like the same exact trope happens with uh, the Doomsday Killer next season in season six and sort of kind of what happened. I mean, definitely what happened in season four with Trinity and season three with the Skinner. Um, just almost like a four seasons in a row dealing with the same trope. It gets a little bit tiring of the Dexter formula. Emily Birch. Yes. Who are you? We're trying to track down some information on Jordan Chase. 
the Jordan Chase. Only including this sound clip because this house of Emily Birch is actually the same house of Tarla Grant in season four when Trinity meets up and um, lets the dog away. Dad, you got to take a look at this. 13 discs, they're all numbered. Lumen was the last victim that would make her number 13. So I'm not going to play the audio of the girls being raped, but the audio really brings a levity to the situation, and we kind of see it, you know, jarred in the background. Um, you know, it's one thing to see fake dead bodies in a show and, and all the terrible stuff that goes on, but seeing the images and hearing it, it adds such, like, just r- really gruesome. Did you watch it? Only enough to make sure I had the right one. Number 13. That's what I was to them. I know that you risk your life every day that you're with me. You've been my only way through this. I can't even begin to think how degrading that is to only be looked at upon as a number, you know, and I'm not sure being being named something is, is anything better, but uh, pretty degrading. And this, I, I spliced two clips together that sort of sets up this and I'll talk about it at the end, this controversial kiss and, I guess, sex that eventually uh, Dexter and Lumen have. The kid's dentist, Dan Mandel. Well, it turns out he and Cole are buddies. They fucking poke each other on Facebook. So this sort of sets up how that kill earlier in the season of Dan Mandel, the the kid's dentist, uh, how he's connected to Jordan Chase. But uh, including this clip because I honestly had forgotten you used to poke people on Facebook. Who would want to take these guys out? And you know the first person that came to mind? Me. Someone who knows what these cocksuckers have been up to and wants to give them what they deserve. So I'm not going to repeat myself on how this should have furthered the storyline, but this really sets up sort of that the the season ending, you know, meetup where it's Dexter Lumen and Deb. Um, you know, and it just sort of shows here like while Dexter does what Deb is thinking um, more sleuthily, if that's a word, you know, Deb wants it hard meaning like you know she she wears her emotions on her sleeve and that's kind of the difference between them although they're the same person in, in a weird twisted way unless there's such a thing as red mold this year shit looks like blood cole Harmon's blood left there when lumen hit him to save me this is just bad voiceover you're harry's kid right blood guy that's right and your sister detective morgan Usually it's the boy child ends up doing the police work, not the girl. I'll often knock the show for not really having any sense of history, as if these characters didn't exist past uh, the prior season. But I like how Liddy sort of knows that Dexter is like Harry's kid and that there's this whole sort of aura surrounding Harry. Um, And again, just reiterating the point that Liddy is like this thorn that's ready to pop up at any moment. Um, I did have a question, though. Like, I thought Liddy was suspended. So why is he just allowed to walk through the station and order equipment? Understandably, he does it under Quinn's signature. But wouldn't someone in the station be like, hey, you can't be in here. You're suspended. One of these days, you've got to teach me how to do that. One of these days, I'm going to make you sit down and write out all these rules for me. But okay, he... He kills whenever he so one of the cool things I get to do using an audio medium is sort of compare when I've heard similar things said in earlier seasons. And the idea of Dexter having a, a sidekick of sorts, a, a, a Robin to his Batman. Uh, you can see here Lumen and Miguel kind of say the same thing because it's Dexter has this whole world and no one else really could even comprehend having such skills. It's not easy talking to a stranger 
But I did it anyway. For you. You told her everything? About what happened at the camp? It was hard, but... It's good writing on how layered Jordan is, you know, and although he's sort of cartoony, he does have the same... He does have some depth that I'm not quite sure the show knew how to develop, but but the makings were there. Almost every season, the villain has the potential to be, you know, the best villain of the series, but they, they eventually lack somewhere, or they're not as much as a threat, um, which sort of makes Trinity the best villain of the series. We we understood his whole entire being, um, and here we're just sort of picking up Jordan uh, where he is and at, at this point in time in 2010 and we get some backstory but he almost has the makings of, of the best villain the program didn't work for me regardless when i see someone on a self-destructive path i can't just stay silent you know i'm glad you didn't touch any of them really why is that because this dna test will clear you and leave you all to me and to her your time is up not really much to add to this clip besides it's it's riveting television, you know, finally seeing Dexter and Jordan meet and they are both put on a persona here. Like, yes, Dexter's testing him for DNA, but they also both know they are both hunting each other. I look stupid, don't I? No, no, no. You can tell me the truth. So they sort of played around with this earlier, getting Lumen to match Dexter in terms of a, a female kill outfit. And it's kind of cool to see Lumen morph into Lady Dex, if you will. Um, and it helps the case for what happens at the end of the show, uh, of this episode. What is this about? Strange call came into my office from an Alex Tilden. Alex Tilden called you. What, what did he want? I didn't speak to him myself, but my secretary said that he was looking for Cole Harmon. You know, at the surface, it seems like Jordan chases two-timing uh, Alex Tilden, but what he's expertly doing is setting up Dexter and Lumen to be killed. Uh, because next scene, Alex Tilden walks in home and Lumen, uh, looking like a fierce lion, ready to pounce, shows up in, in a nice sequence of events, and you suspect Miami Metro's on the way, uh, which they are. And I'm sort of reading my notes as I record, so it's like a, a real-time discussion. Um, as Miami Metro walks in, you're, you're on the edge of your seat, but this show left this little crumb of a for sale sign on the lawn. Uh, so they're actually still... They're, they're next door doing the kill. Um, really risky, but um, one, of, one of the rare times the show is sort of subtle in, in what's about to happen. I'm a banker. I can get money, lots of it. We can work this out, so tell me. What's this gonna cost? Just give me a number. Thirteen. He has this way. Of getting inside your head, getting you in touch with your primal nature. He made me do things I never would have done. No. You! Made me do things I never would have done. Ever. The only time we got to see Dex in a kill room with someone was with Miguel, and there wasn't really any connection, emotional connection, tied to Miguel. I mean, he wanted to kill, but no one, you know, besides Trinity, was ever to connected um, to Dexter or, or, or another killer in this way. And here, Lumen has such a visceral and emotional connection to, to wanting to kill this guy. 
Lumen sort of looks around the room uh, right before she kills Alex, and she's basically about to kill uh, sort of a, a, a collective for all the 12 girls that these guys have uh, killed. But and, and I don't know if I would call this a nitpick as much as what I would have liked to have seen done, um, but I would just imagine Lumen... Uh, having been tortured and finally being able to to kill one of the guys, um, I imagine she just would have like a like a, a rage kill, just like multiple stabbings, not this one clean kill uh, or stab rather, like Dexter does. Remember at, at Boyd's house, that fucking hair book it had twelve pieces in it, but there were thirteen DVDs. One of them didn't get their hair taken. So what are you saying exactly? Well, what if one of them escaped? somehow and and after everything they've done they've come back to get even so i'm going to go back on something i said earlier where this show is just kind of doing the same trope of dexter knows the villain and then miami metro slowly catches on and now dexter has to deal with both of them because while dexter does have to deal with the villain and miami metro he more specifically has to deal with deb because Deb is really on the case uh, of what to, what's happening. So um, a little twist, and again, and just and I'm repeating myself here because it's all these little crumbs they leave to the to the final scene where it's Dex, Deb, and Lumen in one room. Um, but now Deb is you know really onto them, and she really knows or can sense what's going on. Harry tried to mold me into the image of the monster he thought I was, but with Lumen. I'm someone different. In her eyes. I'm not a monster at all. So Dexter and Lumen eventually have sex at the end of this episode. And watching this live back in 2010 and even now, I kind of hate the idea of Dexter and Lumen hooking up. It, it just seems unnecessary. Uh, and I guess in the end, it's so we have this deeper connection to Lumen and Dexter when, when she gets captured next episode. But I feel like they could have made this connection otherwise. It didn't necessarily have to be a typical quote-unquote love story. Um, the best way I could describe this is like season four was heading towards a rather... Uh, typical ending you know there's a bad guy Dexter kills him end of story if you take away Rita's death from season four it really lacks the punch of season four um, and that's how I sort of feel like feel with this you know Dexter and Lumen hooking up doesn't really add anything uh, and on top of the fact that Lumen just leaves at the end of season five and she never comes back for the series so it's like really you know we have this two episode arc of Dexter and Lumen the idea of them being a couple but she just leaves so it just makes all of that for nothing and more so this is uh, this series and this season in particular should have been geared more towards Dexter's redemption of, of what happened to Rita so now you throw this in it just sort of just sloppy and and not unnecessary and they could have made them just, this is something that Dexter needed to do, or you change the dynamic of the show. Now Lumen's forever involved in Dexter's life. Episode 11. Papa Freighter. Deborah and Quinn go to Jordan Chase's office to interrogate him. Dexter and Lumen try to figure out how they can get Jordan, and Lumen suggests to come out as bait to attract him. 
Dexter finds the surveillance cameras from the Miami Metro, and he believes that Quinn is responsible and investigates him. Deborah has a romantic theory that the 13th victim might be a vigilante helped by her lover to kill the rapist. Deborah and Quinn visit Dan's wife and find the connection of Jordan Chase with the missing rapist. Dexter is lured and abducted by Stan Liddy and takes him in a van. Emily summons Lumen following Jordan's instructions and is eventually murdered by him. Deborah gets a court order to arrest Jordan Chase. So my process here is I'm writing some thoughts before I take notes on this episode and then plop them in where I see fit, but I have two notions about this episode and I'm pretty sure I'm right on both. The first one is, and it's pretty easily checkable and I haven't done the work, but I believe that this is the shortest Dexter episode coming in at 42 minutes and 57 seconds. Uh, Network television, I believe, is 22 minutes, so that's just barely under, uh, you know, two hours of network television. And this one is obviously more of an opinion and not a fact, but this episode to me was the best episode of the season. It's so jam-packed and fast-paced and bringing in my point on a prior episode, if Dexter was in 2020, I'd imagine we'd have 40-minute episodes, 10-episode seasons, and and all, all the writing, all the happenings would be much tighter. But you know, as I said before, 2010 was a different world in terms of television. I'd be careful if I were you. It's typically seen in someone who's trying to avoid facing the dismal nature of her own small life. I think he slipped up. It's not at all healthy. And I think a barrel treatable. girl got away. It's something I can and help you with. And now she's hunting down the people that took her. And people all around you are dropping like flies. When the show wants her to be, Deb is the best cop on the show, you know, because she's so on point with this entire scenario that it's almost scary how good she is. She's almost like Dexter, where her intuitions are all correct. The police. My sister. I'm so sorry that I put you in this position, having to lie to her like that. I don't like it, but it's not the first time. She's never suspected anything. I don't know. Maybe Deb has a blind spot when it comes to me. Sometimes I feel like I'm taking advantage of her, but it's for the best. She's not like us. I guess I'm hitting you over the head to an annoying point at this point, because on one hand, they set up the end of the season perfectly here, where, yes, Dexter thinks he's always smarter than Deb, but here's Deb actually being smarter than Dexter. On the other hand, you know, what a perfect way to tie in Deb catching Dexter here. Jordan has to be behind this. And close by, wireless cameras have a limited range. Their signal routed to a recording unit in a vacant apartment. So at this point in the episode, we see that Dexter has finally found the cameras that Liddy has put in his apartment. But I'm including this because I wonder if this was filmed in Miami. Because we know that the show is set in Long Beach. You know, the first few episodes was filmed in Miami, and then it went to Long Beach. And the Dexter apartment is always on a set. Whenever you see them out on a balcony, it's all fake plants and it's all a studio, so to say. And I just wondered, did they go back to Miami just to film this scene? Because he's running and you can tell with his hair and everything that this is, you know, live as in 2010 or if they filmed this in 2009. Your boy Dexter. What the fuck? What are you doing? Didn't you hear me, Quinn? I'm not a cop anymore. Now I need a cop to make this bust. No, forget it. So here we have Liddy about to really turn up the heat on Dexter. And for how much I knock the show... I love that Liddy has nothing to do with Jordan Chase. It's a completely separate storyline. I would even wonder if Liddy even knows anything about the Jordan Chase investigation. And I just love that they're not connected. And up out of nowhere is going to come this Liddy character, uh, Capture and Dexter. 
The vigilante brought your missing banker over and off them right there in the dining room. Excuse me, did I hear the word vigilante? I wonder here why LaGuardia, even almost as a joke, wouldn't say the words Bay Harbor Butcher. Uh, vigilante? Bay Harbor Butcher? Just weird that she wouldn't even bring it up. Jordan Chase. That's two-man sailing team, Dan Mandel and Eugene Greer. Jordan Chase is Eugene Greer. Dan knew him when they were kids. It was a really big deal to him. That's our connection. I like Devin Quinn putting all the pieces together, and it's almost like Miami Metro gets really smart as the season starts to wind down. Quinn had this idiot notion that you were somehow connected to Rita's death. We'll see this come up in season seven, but as Dexter mentioned earlier, he lies to Deb, and here Dexter's actions is messing with Deb's life. And, And I mean, I guess for the overall good, Dexter has saved... Deb, but over the course of five seasons so far, Dexter has really messed with Deborah's life from the ice truck killer to Quinn to, to, to God knows what else. You know, Dexter really messes up with Deb's life inadvertently. To kill someone together, that's some pretty serious shit. Is that what Lumen and I have? Serious shit? I'm not walking away. We're a team. We have serious shit. What does that mean? Something Deb said. Just a typical Dexter series trope where Dexter repeats something he heard, but it's kind of comical to see that Dexter doesn't know how to use it or say it. He just sort of repeats what he's heard. And here comes Quinn, checking in before he heads to the station. I never wanted it to come to this. Minus the season finale interaction with Deb, I have to say that this is one of the biggest shocks of the season. And we all knew it was Liddy coming, but it just it's almost shocking when Dexter gets caught. And if you can, again, this is only an audio medium, but if you can go back to the way Liddy looks, um, he's in his like purple suit jacket. And let me know if you, you know if anyone thought the same, but I feel like he sort of had a, a Joker vibe going on. And maybe it's just simply that he has a purple jacket and a green shirt, and it just sort of just total non-coincidental but kind of just felt like he had the joker vibe going on hello woman it's me emily what's wrong i got a call from jordan chase he knows i talked to you so we have a crazy setup where shit sort of starting to hit the fan and you know when, when emily calls lumen the, the the camera does a slow reveal of J- jordan chase is actually the one behind emily calling lumen and i guess part of why i wanted to include this was i wonder what was jordan chase's plan if lumen showed up with dexter uh, just we, we don't get to see that because liddy captures dexter but I really wonder what was his plan if if Dexter shows up with Lumen. Why are you doing this? Because our mutual friend Joey Quinn hired me to look into you, and I guess you know I found out some things. I just need you to... I got to mention on the episode prior that Liddy has captured video of Dexter and Lumen practice and stabbing, but got me to thinking, does does Liddy have anything of worth on Dexter? Uh, You know, because is practicing stabbing a, a criminal offense? And I guess maybe they have some of the audio... I don't know, like, is there anything of worth that Liddy has on Dexter that would get him arrested and this big super bust that Liddy's been talking about? Listen, boy, this is going down with or without you. Now, you don't get down here fast enough, fucking jackrabbit. I'm calling in another cop, and then there's no telling how it's going to spin out. And I'm also not too sure why Liddy needs Quinn to make this arrest. He's not a part of Miami Metro anymore. There's a line of dialogue where he says his, uh, his appeal got denied, so he's officially off the force, so... 
why not just call 911? Or is it because this show does everything to protect Dexter ever getting caught? Go away, Quinn. Don't make this any worse. Liddy, where the fuck are you? So here's been something I've been bringing up throughout this whole season, and now I get to finally talk about, and it's complaining about this Liddy character. And I hate that he's simply disposed like this. Uh, Dexter gets out of the capture and eventually kills Liddy, and just the idea of a storyline of a disgraced cop trying to get his job back, unattached to the villain of the season. It's such a great tension that Liddy brings to this season, and I feel like they wasted it. You know, Even next episode, we get this blood on the shoe of Quinn, and... You know, this whole thing, Dexter gets to hold Quinn in his hands of which way he wants to do it, but it just completely dissipates as a story, and it's just really frustrating, and it's a common complaint of mine, but all the surrounding characters only serve to benefit Dexter. Liddy was almost the complete opposite of whatever character they've created, and it's just a real punch in the gut that they waste such a great character on Liddy, of Liddy, uh, on this quick kill, and that's it, wash hands, end of story. Liddy's never, ever mentioned again in the show. Your request to detain Jordan Chase as a material witness was denied. This was our shot. I understand why you're upset, but what I don't understand is why you didn't come to me. You're kidding. And while I'll slam the show for the misuse of Liddy, and I'm been disgusted by any LaGuardia Batista story, this conversation between Deb and LaGuardia, this is great manufactured drama. You know, you, you wouldn't ever expect LaGuardia to do anything good for Deb, but... For a shit season, LaGuardia has just kicking Deb. And by the way, Deb's suspension is just gone because she found the Barrel Girls case. Um, she totally redeems herself. It's it's one of the few good uh, or heartfelt moments LaGuardia has throughout the show's run. You're the first woman who's ever called me on my bullshit. It made me take a hard look at myself. It's made me a better person, I think. I forget where I am in mentioning the Deb and Quint storyline, but... You know, LaGuardia tells Deb to ask Quinn why was he really suspended. We find out that Quinn was sort of uh, detecting Dexter as possibly related to the Trinity Killer, and it really hurts Deb. And it's it's kind of nice, you know, for weird way that they eventually come about being together as a couple. It's kind of nice to see this little drama play out, and it, and it kind of makes sense when when Quinn puts it this way, like he. He, he needs someone like Deb, and it's just nice to see that Deb, uh, well, rather, Quinn just has honest feelings for Deb, despite all the shit he was talking behind her back. Well, I guess I can go home then. Is he on the plane? No, I have no idea where he is. We were scheduled to fly out over an hour ago, and he never showed up. Emily was killed with two blows. Lumen was here, multiple footprints in the blood, a scuffle. She's putting up a fight. Lumen. So we have the final showdown set up for the season finale. Jordan Chase has taken Lumen, killed Emily, and he's on the run. He's scheduled for an out-of-the-country tour, but as you see here, he's been missing. And I wanted to include this soundbite soundbite for one reason, because... At the end of the episode, you see Dexter is on the floor, and he sort of has, like, the this moon behind him, and he's kneeled down. And as the way he just sort of gets up, it almost looks like he's going to turn into a werewolf. It's just always been a weird thought of mine. Um, but let's get on to the finale. Episode 12, The Big, the big one. one. Just as Dexter is about to set off and find Jordan Chase, who has captured Lumen, his entire family arrives, having decided to travel down from Orlando to celebrate Harrison's birthday in Miami. 
Cody and Aster have something special to ask him. Having managed to extricate himself from any family obligations from the day, he arrives at the station to learn that Liddy's body has been found and the entire squad is assigned to working on the case. Things quickly deteriorate for Joey Quinn, who is taken into custody after they find Liddy's phone and see that Quinn was frequently called on the day he died. Jordan Chase has not yet killed Lumen as he wants to trap Dexter as well and eliminate both of them. Dexter manages to trace Chase to his lair, leading to the inevitable confrontation. In the end, Dexter, Lumen, and Deborah will all have chases to make, and not everyone will be happy or content with the choices they make. Turned against me, she's someone I could share my life with. I will not let her die. <gasps> Surprise! <laughs> Not that you care about my personal experience with this show, but I actually got to watch this live at a hotel in New York City, which was billed as with characters from the show. Uh, sort of a false bill of goods, so to say, because what actually happened was all the fans were in a room watching this, and Batista, David Zayas, and LaGuerta, Lauren Velez, just sort of walked through the room, waved hello, and that was it. And then I remember finding out on social media later that actually Jennifer Carpenter was there as well, just, I guess, I didn't get a chance to see her, but... And my my cam they walked by so quick like my camera is like a very blurry vision of Laguerta and um, David Zayas. But um, onto the actual episode here, I love the setup that Dexter is going to stop at no end to save Lumen. And sort of as I mentioned in the previous episode, that now that the threat of the kids is gone, Dexter is sort of free to roam to hunt Jordan. And then up oh, here's the kids. Uh, I love the idea that they use the kids like you know to take all the issues away. And then showing them up against like thwart Dexter, and I, I kind of let you know the using of kids as a plot point to throw in and out because this really won't be an issue for the rest of the series. But I do love the uh, the added tension that just the kids there brings. No way to tell. Everything's been stripped clean. The killer covering his tracks. Seems to me we find out who Liddy was spying on. We find our killer. I can't believe in a show that's about, you know, investigating murders and solving them that they actually let Batista say that line. That's like, it just, it's just terrible writing. Uh, and the other thing I wanted to bring in here was um, that dock where they show up, where Liddy is, and for some unknown reason, the Miami Metro takes a boat to get there. That's actually the same dock that's been in almost every season for a different purpose, but most uh, infamously, it's the dock where... Uh, the end of season eight, where Dexter docks his boat at the hospital. That looks like blood. Quinn, you better start talking to me. Uh, I don't think I should say anything else. So you could probably sense my tone so far with this finale of season five, and I got really mad watching it because it's so sloppy all over the place. Because this Quinn stuff, and I'll talk about it more later, it amounts to nothing. Quinn just deleting his messages on his phone. It's just so dumb, even as a cop, like as Quinn is supposed to be. They do ratchet up the tension, but it's just sort of like it amounts to nothing. And, you know, we know Quinn didn't kill him and just the, the blood on the shit. I don't know. It's just so sloppy and it's resolved quickly with nothing really there. And it amplifies that they really wasted Liddy as a character. The other thing here is this is where, for some reason, like I said before, the Miami Metro has to take a boat to go to this crime scene, which I, I there's no explanation as to why. But here is also where Dexter steals this red Pontiac that he drives over to where Jordan Chase has Lumen, and he crashes it on Jordan Chase's camp. And then later in the episode, we're going to see Deb finds him, and then eventually she'll call the police after letting them go. It's like, wouldn't 
the owner of the car be like, hey, my car was last at near the marina where Liddy was killed and now it got crashed on Jordan Chase's site. And again, I, I, that may be nitpicking, but it's sort of like they never, it feels like the show never stops to ask the question, why? Like Dexter's going to do this. Is there any, uh, is there any consequences to it? For the most part, no, but just sort of like, there's no, there's no why here. There's no sense. It's just Dexter is floating in this world and everyone else is walking. I thought you just liked to watch. Yeah, well, maybe I'm changing. <laughs> like you. I always view Jordan Chase as a cartoony villain, but it's ever so amplified here when he has this monologue with Lumen. But it's also like now Jordan Chase wants to rape Lumen. Like all of a sudden he's abandoned his whole philosophy. Like it's just it's really sloppy how they end up tying this whole season together. And what about the uh, noise in the trunk? fucking swear I'm taking Spanish after this. The the sound in the uh, the, the trunco. As someone who has a strong family background of Guatemalan, um, this is something I always say to myself, and here I am at almost 35 years old, and I always told myself I'm taking Spanish. I now live in South Florida, and I've never taken Spanish, but I could understand a decent amount, but I totally feel Deb's frustration here. You know what? If you hadn't met me... You would never have known you had it in you. I wouldn't have had it in you. Now you do! Shut up! I'm honestly laughing while watching this finale, putting on the uh, Digging Dexter lens where I have to analyze everything and talk about it. This is just terrible. I just There's nothing... And we kind of know the ending, that Dexter is going to kill Jordan. You know, we get the thing with Deb, and that sort of spices it up for a moment, and, and I'll get to that in just a little bit. Um, but I guess here I also want to talk about the episode title, because it's called The Big One. But if you do any uh, internet research, this episode was previously titled Through a Glass Darkly. And I've been trying to look it up as to what that means in relation to this episode. And the only thing I really came up upon was that it was uh, a movie back in the day, like way back in the day. That being said, I hate that this episode is called The Big One. I don't get it. And I, I, it feels so slo- uh, so lazy. I was just like, ah, let's just uh, call this one The Big One. Fuck it. Whatever's in your arms, drop it now. Both of you, I know who you are. Number 13. Maybe it's true some people deserve to die. But I'm a cop and I don't make that fucking decision. So I'm gonna call this in. In an hour, this place will be swarming with police. If I were you, I'd be gone by then. All right, so now we're at the point where I just get to bitch, 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 bitch about this season finale and this big moment, uh, the big the big one, <laughs> if you will. Um, so Lumen kills Jordan, and at that very moment, Deb shows up on the scene, also conveniently without backup. I have to give the scene this. Deb walking in is pretty riveting television, you know, just walks up on Dexter and Lumen cleaning the kill tools, and uh, I have to say intuitively says, hey, both of you drop the tools, not just one of you. Um but <laughs> as listeners and viewers and this little podcast community I'm speaking to and that we have, this is just fucking bullshit that Deb would let them go. It doesn't make any sense. And I, I suppose I'm supposed to sit here and have some thoughtful analysis, but it's like it doesn't connect at all. Deb coming to the realization that she could kill someone and not feel bad and this is how she can relate to the killer. It just it doesn't like fine, like let them go. But not without seeing who it is, just totally not. And that could implicate Deb. 
as well. Like, you know, why did you let them go? It, it It's just such a cop-out and just, uh, you know, if you were to place a trophy on, why do you think, what's the biggest example of that the show never wants to put Dexter's feet to the fire? It's this. Deb's right there. She's, you know, social distance six feet away from capturing Dexter and just lets him go without any, not even just seeing who they are just in case or anything. It, just, it makes no sense to the Deb's character. But I wanted to read a quote that perfectly illustrates my point. And this was on the AV Club reviewer, Emily Vanderwerf. Uh, and what she wrote was, I realize that the show has been building to Deb's acceptance of Lumen's vigilante kills all season long and on a show that wasn't transparently trying to stretch out its length with bullshit maneuvers, I might have enjoyed the scene where she runs across the vigilante and has a chance to let them walk away, then takes it. But it's such a nakedly desperate attempt to bring someone that much closer to catching Dexter without actually doing so that it rankles. It's properly built to... And on its own, it might be a nice little scene, but it also feels completely ridiculous tossed into the episode solely to give a sense of something happening while ultimately preserving the status quo. The same goes for Deb bringing up the ice truck killer for his annual season finale mention, but not bringing up that she uh, knows Dexter is the guy's brother, a plot point that's been completely dropped. So that just really cements the way I feel about it and just the idea of like it gives you the sense of like <gasps> something happened but also nothing happened because this doesn't change the dynamic at all it's not like Dexter is more careful now or anything a lot of this you know we're going to talk about season six none of this follows over um it, it doesn't it doesn't make any sense as to why this Deb character would let this happen and it just feels like a gut punch that something actually happens but in reality nothing happens what about that? The blood on Quinn's shoe, is it Liddy's? Thank you. For what? The blood work. Just doing my job. Yeah, well, that was the one thing hanging me up. Let's let the bitch fest continue because after all that, Dexter is just going to let Quinn go. After knowing that Quinn was the one investigating Dexter, just lets him go. I guess for the sake of Deborah, and you could find, you know, if you wanted to blind yourself from the rest of the show, you could just say, oh, Dexter did that for Quinn. But in terms of a show dynamic and why we have certain plot points, this all served nothing. And again, double amplifying, Liddy served no purpose. You know, the whole thing of the investigation of Kyle Butler, that was like this season's like big big uh, uh, bite to grab you in it's all gone and it didn't mean anything and it served and serves no purpose just an absolute nothing to the show really maddening bought some stuff for pancakes you don't know this about me but i'm actually kind of a breakfast connoisseur i can't put it into words as to why but i just still love that dexter is a breakfast connoisseur i have to leave don't be sorry your darkness is gone While I hate the idea of Lumen just leaving and rendering this season essentially useless, I, I do love Dexter sort of begging Lumen to stay, and more so the idea that Lumen just gets to drop this dark passenger and Dexter is stuck with it. You know, you could kind of see in the scene where he throws the plate. He's just he's so frustrated with living with this dark cloud over his head, and Lumen just gets to like pick it up and drop it off, and Dexter is just stuck with it. But 
he then comes to a realization like, you know, yes, that this is, I, I'm going to be this and I will carry that little fight that you had inside of you, Lumen, I'm going to carry it with me. Um, leaving off this relationship with, with Dexter that's going to carry Lumen's Dark's Passenger, it, it's why this finale is weird, because stuff like this is good. You know, in this silly world of a Dark Passenger, they make they make some of these points hit. It's refreshing to see Dexter in this light. It just stinks that it's okay. Like, Lumen arrives, Dex help her to help himself, and now Lumen leaves. And it's a mix of, like, we hurt for Dexter, but also, like, you know, it, it almost felt like, you know, you help your friend move, and they give you a handshake instead of, like, you know, the obligatory, you know, free pizza or a beer or something. And it just doesn't... And again, because it, it, it's... I have... We have the fortunate ability of knowing how the, the rest of the series plays out, but that's it. You know, Lumen's a, a line in an episode in Season 7, and that's it. This whole thing just means nothing. And it just... Again, here I am. This is, like, the fifth time this episode I'm saying it's just really, really frustrating. They make it look so easy. Connecting with another human being. It's like no one told them it's the hardest thing in the world. I love this little montage because, as I was saying, sometimes they make the Dark Passenger and that stuff hit. We, we always have to keep in mind that Dexter is an unreliable narrator. And this little montage, it brings me back to season one of Dexter. You know, his, his infantile thoughts that he's super alone and unemotional. You know, except for the fact that this entire season he's been very emotional and he does have the ability to connect. And, you know, whether it was with Rita or Lila or Lumen, like, he clearly does. He's just such a liar to himself that he thinks he's this big monstrosity, but he, he's not. <laughs> And I'm left not with what she took from me, but with what she brought. Eyes that saw me, finally, for who I really am. And this certainty that nothing, nothing is set in stone. Not even darkness. While she was here, she made me think for the briefest moment that I might even have a chance to be human. Make a wish. But wishes, of course, are for children. I love how we're talking about the idea that Dexter is such an unreliable narrator and he's just so infantile in his thoughts. He's like, he's basically dramatic. Um, but that's kind of all I have to say on this season finale. It's very sloppy. It's very Dexter comes out on top again, even though they write him into a corner and he just sort of sleezes his way out. It's kind of frustrating. We're going to get a lot of that with season six. But uh, as I was saying in the opening podcast of part one, I'm going to... Um, Let's let's delve into some awards of you know best moments whatnot and uh, wrap up this podcast. So as I mentioned in the first podcast, to sort of give this podcast like I'm just not talking to myself and make this thing worthwhile, I wanted to sort of give out awards um, to the to the season of best moments, worst moments, blah blah blah. And I have one, two, three. I have five awards that I want to give out uh, in relation to this season. I'm gonna start out with the worst episode, and I think it's Teenage Wasteland. You know, as I was saying this show could have easily been a 10 episode arc and that's it and you could totally cut out this Aster storyline where she comes back uh worst moment it's a toss-up between lumen leaving and deb letting go it just it serves nothing to the plot and it, it actually uh goes against the plot if that makes sense and, and on one hand deb letting them go is just pretty nonsensical where lumen unless you're going to get a dual kill killer storyline it, it serves no purpose so 
if I can, while, while putting the two side by side, I can excuse that one more. So Deb letting them go is the worst moment of the show and possibly of the series thus far. Um, I have the funniest moment as uh, earlier. What episode is that? God, Circle Us? Fuck, I forget the episode. But it's when Lumen says, fuck you to Dexter. And the way Dexter takes that onto his, you know, you can just see how hard that hits Dexter. It almost hit him harder than Rita dying, just how uh, offended he was. Um, I have the best moment as the show, despite it leading to nowhere in, in the overall eight-season Dexter universe. Liddy capturing Dexter was was a shocker. It's just a, it's a big whoa. You know, you, even me, a Dexter veteran, so to say, seeing it come in still was a shocker. And it, it's a great tension moment leading up to it and my final award i'm going to give it to uh hopper freighter uh, as as the best episode as i mentioned before liddy capturing dexter um jordan chase getting lumen everything's up in the air uh and then dexter kills liddy so you just kind of you think at the time you know let's put us back at episode 11 and we're all waiting for the season finale you think there's so many things up in the air. And again, I'm not going to rag on the way because I've done it already, how they cop out to everything. It, it still was the most fast-paced episode. And I do think, and I'm not trying to toot my own horn in terms of rethinking the Dexter paradigm, but that was a 40-minute episode. And there's just so much that happens that it's, you know, I think if you cut out the fat, you cut out the LaGuardia Batista, you cut out... And they never give Masuka really a storyline, but you just dumb everything down. You cut 20 minutes each episode, 10 episode season. I think Dexter had the chance to be one of the greatest series ever. Um, but more so, you know, Hoppa Freighter, I think, is definitely one of the best episode of season five. So that's a wrap on season five and an important season amongst the eight seasons of Dexter, but mostly filler and something I'll repeat over and over. Most of what happens in the season is forgotten. The season doesn't have any long lasting effects like season four does. But if I put myself as a first time viewer, I guess this season isn't so bad. But once you realize the end game and how little this season matters, it's a little frustrating. Um, but, you know, after the season four finale, Rita dying, this is the story the writers wanted to tell. And it was never about Dexter getting caught, but rather redemption. And personally, I think it's a lost opportunity, but I've said my case many times. Moving on, as for season six, um, I've been struggling with the idea of doing this for every episode because there's a lot wrong with season six. Uh, I enjoyed it at the time, but, you know, once you look back, you're kind of like, wow, there was a lot of filler there. Um, so I'm going to come up with a game plan for season six. And if you have any ideas, shoot, shoot them over um, how I can make season six worthwhile. You know, I almost feel like at this point, I don't even need to spit, split, blah, split it up into two uh, episodes. It kind of just be one big episode. Um, Last thing I want to get to here, um, want to give some quick shout outs. I've been talking to a fellow from London, David William, and just hearing from him gives me some motivation to pump these out. And as well as a, a fellow who uh, commented on a post of mine, he goes by the IG tag of Jesus Calls Collect. <laughs> it's a funny tag. Um, he has a podcast himself called Hashtag uh, Family with Benefits that I, I've been meaning to listen to, but I just want to say thank you to you guys reaching out because it, it gives me motivation to pump these out, you know. Um, I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm I'm begging here, but when I hear from people, it's just sort of like, oh, wow, people are listening and th this this podcast serves a purpose. And these podcasts take a lot of time, you know, to cut the audio, make my notes and all that. So 
if you enjoy them, you know, um, I'm, I do this because I do like it, but it, it is time consuming. So if you enjoy it, just a, a simple shout out letting me know you do helps me sort of get, keep the ball rolling if you want to hear me close out these next three seasons. Or maybe I just bitch too much and you don't want to hear from me at all. That I also let me know that you, you don't want to hear from me. That might be motivation as well. And last shout I wanted to give out was a friend of the show, Colton, does a bootleg and Boardwalk Empire podcast, and he's about to have a new podcast out soon. Um, him chugging along, finishing his podcast, and knowing he's pumping stuff out, and he has a, a little one at home, uh, m- makes me wanted to do this as well. So just wanted to give a shout out to Colton to... Uh, while he probably doesn't know it, sort of pushed the ball, pushed pushed me a little bit seeing him uh, finish his. So that being said, I'm recording this on Sunday, March 29th, 2020, and we live in a weird time, guys. So just following the words that everyone else says, uh, stay home, wash your hands, be safe out there. It's a crazy world we got right now, and I just hope everyone stays safe. Um, hopefully I'll talk to you soon, and that's it. Let me in, I'm trying to fuck!